For today's episode, just to give you a heads up, I am always pursuing emotional and physical safety with my listeners, and this podcast episode does contain sensitive content. Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Aste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Oh, guys, triggers. Ah, This wasn't even a word in the vocabulary of my parents' generation. Now we hear this word everywhere. We hear, I'm triggered on social media, TV, just overhearing everyday conversations when we're out and about. It's just amazing to me how quickly times change on a collective level. So yeah, we're talking about triggers today. And what I really like to do is define buzzwords like this, because it's one of those words now that we've all heard or used, but it can easily mean completely different things to different people. So let's get on the same page. Okay, so my favorite definition, you know, I want to start with sharing the definition outside of the mental health realm, because I think it gives a powerful visual to what actually is happening to us when we say, I am triggered. So a trigger is just a small device that releases a spring or catch and so sets off a mechanism, especially in order to fire a gun. So very simply, it's a stimulus that elicits a reaction. In psychology, in the mental health world, a trigger is a stimulus that causes a painful memory to resurface, often subconsciously. This stimulus can be sound, sight, smell, physical sensation, an event, or even a time of day or season. Some of my favorite synonyms for trigger are catalyst, generator, driver, activator, alarm, and detector. You know, we're all designed with triggers for a reason. They're our friends, and they're actually there to protect us. They are proof that our body keeps the score for us of the pain we've survived and wants to keep us from ever experiencing that pain again. They're also our wisest insight into what we still need to heal. You know, I am at this place now in my life where I get triggered and majority of the time I think, oh, interesting. Thought we'd healed that one. Thank you, Trigger, for showing me that there's still more layers to tend to. Triggers also hold no prejudice to time. I was talking to a friend the other day who she was sexually assaulted 20 years ago and to this day still has flashbacks to that episode anytime a man approaches her intimately. 
as if it was happening all over again right now in this very moment. We see the same with PTSD of war veterans. It does not matter if it was three, four decades ago. They can be stuck in this present day moment, reliving that thing that happened in the past as if it was happening right now. You know, the goal is not to become completely 100% trigger-free. That would actually suck. (laughs) Imagine you're walking down the street and a dog escapes his leash and he's running at you full speed, mouth foaming, and you have zero alarm system to alert you to run the hell away like yesterday. You would be harmed. So the goal is not to become trigger-free. The goal of a healthy nervous system is flexibility with triggers. You know, a nervous system that knows how to fiercely protect you when in danger, but can turn the alarm bells off once the danger has passed. And that's not where a lot of us are at. A lot of us have been through so much for so long without any substantial direction as to how to process emotional wounds, how to actually complete grief, how to move trauma out of our bodies. And so we've got a lot of trips in the system. The alarm bells have been going off since 2008, and we don't know how to turn them off. You know, your therapist asks you to think of the last time you were triggered, and you're like, what do you even mean? I can't remember the last time I wasn't triggered. You know, majority of us are in this constant state of hypervigilance, anxiety, fear of the rug being pulled out from underneath us, rumination, bracing ourselves for the next blow. So let's learn how to fix the system today, to cultivate a flexible nervous system that knows the difference between real and perceived danger and has total competence in moving back into a state of safety after the threat has passed. Okay, so we've defined what is a trigger, we've covered why they're actually important, we've covered where they can come from and that they don't give a bleep about the when. Triggers can pop up anytime, any place, seemingly out of nowhere, that reminds you of something from when you were four years old or 44 years old. So let's dive into the who real quick, and then we'll crack open the key to turning the somatic volume down on these bad boys. So who gets triggered? All of us. We zone in on the terrible twos or the three-nagers. I don't know why there isn't a nickname for the terrible 20s or the 33-nagers, When in some ways, I still feel like I'm right back in high school wondering if I'll be liked, wondering if I'll fit in, getting triggered by the popular girls who seem to have everything come to them so easily. It is collective. And so is our discomfort with the triggers, no matter what age of life we're at. Think of kids. I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. When they are triggered and in a tantrum, it is so scary for them when they're ca- when they're crying and can't seem to slow it down or find peace and they're feeling so out of control and they can't even remember what set them off. You wit them, you witness them losing their minds like a feral animal, like <laughs> Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. Does anybody remember that show? Oh, it's a 90s show. Google Donnie from the Wild Thornberries and you'll see what I mean. You know, my daughter, Anna, she hates even a drop of water spilled on her clothes. It She immediately, like it's a guaranteed meltdown and there's absolutely no power in the universe that can convince her that it's fine. It'll dry in a minute. You can keep your clothes on. 
if I try to reason or logic or, you know, use logic with her in that state, it only amplifies her crying and that shade of red spreading from her cheeks to her entire face and neck. Then the shaking of her body, she's screaming, get these clothes off of me right now. And when kids are in this state, we look at them like, okay, this makes no sense why you're freaking out. It's just a drop of water or it's just fill in the blank. But honestly, how is it any different for us as adults? <laughs> it's it's so overwhelming to be triggered. And, you know, we don't know how to deal with these tidal waves of overwhelming big feelings crashing over us. And sometimes, you know, it's things that cause us to look at ourselves and be like, this makes no sense why I'm freaking out. It is just fill in the blank. You know, so many of us are still carrying the pandemic with us. Am I the only one who thinks that it's insane how quickly seem things seem to be patched up and supposedly bounce back to normal? It seriously feels like a hit and run to me. Like a second ago, I was in my own old townhouse, minding my own business, packing up to move into our new home. And then the news starts telling us about this virus. And I remember my phone starts popping off with text messages and posts on social media with everyone's predictions over how long this would last. Everyone's predictions was like three weeks at that time. And then the whole pandemic. I don't know if this resonates for you, but for me in retrospect, it now just feels like this blur of chaos and fear. Marriages, businesses, financial security, family structures just rattled to their core. And then as soon as it all came, all of a sudden it feels like I wake up one day and then the mask requirements are dropped. Everything's opened back up and it's like, okay, folks, back to business as usual. When we all just feel like we got hit by this big, fat, emotional semi-truck. Like, I really still feel in many ways I'm trying to catch up with myself still. It was this big, sweeping tidal wave of transition in our society. A major upheaval to our norm. And remember, our nervous systems love the norm. They don't like things out of the norm. So for many of us, our body was activated to protect us at all costs through years of uncertainty as we lived in this heightened state of hypervigilance, you know, this terror that an invisible virus was coming for us. And if we didn't wash our hands, wash our grocery bags, sanitize our bodies at all times, we'd be done for. You know, I'm not saying this to undermine the pandemic at all. It was horrific. And I hate it. I hate the destruction that it caused to families, to people's lives, to marriages. But opinions and politics aside, I'm just speaking here about the undeniable impact and the trauma that this inflicted on all of our nervous systems. That is something we can all agree on. Remember, trauma just means anything that overwhelms our nervous system's ability to cope. So many examples, you know, that I could name, but one that comes to mind, my soccer teammate, she is a single mom and she's incredible, but she was suddenly with the pandemic, just homeschooling her four children while pivoting to online teaching for her high school students, hundreds of high school students. Uh, she teaches history and then she's striving to keep up with the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, the shopping, etc. I have no idea how she even made it to our 9 p.m. Sunday soccer games. It was far beyond her nervous system set point and what was comfortable for her holding before the pandemic. 
Okay, so that's the who. It hit all of us. The what, where, why, and when. Now buckle up and get your number two pencil out because I want to teach you one of my clients' favorite tools and how to take your triggers and your massively triggered nervous system and turn these triggers from an 8.8 earthquake to smaller tremors where you can move through them into safety without getting rocked like you may be used to. This one tool is called the domino drill. So yeah, I love alliteration, hence the title of this episode and like every tool I create for my clients. But just so you know, 99% of the tools I give my clients can be practiced anytime, anywhere. My most successful clients end up putting one to two hours in a week on their healing journey, which on the low end averages out to like nine minutes a day. So vast majority of the work we do can be done while you're cooking, going to bed in the middle of the mall while your kids are melting down around your ankles. But this one tool that I'm going to give you today is the one tool that I give my clients that is best practiced in a moment of silence with a literal pen and paper. So if it's available to you, feel free to go grab a cup of coffee or tea, get curled up in a cozy place with a pen and paper. And if you can't right now, no worries. Just follow along in your head for now. You can replay this again when you want to in a rare moment of silence and privacy. But the goal of this exercise is just to increase consciousness and understand yourself. To become a separate, objective, curious observer instead of caught up in the chaos of your own mind when you are triggered. So writing with an actual pen and paper activates the part of your brain that can bring you back to the parasympathetic nervous system. That's the nervous system where it's like, oh, I can rest, digest, I can breathe, I'm safe. So the goal of this exercise is just getting you out of your head and back into your body, into the present moment. So I want you to write down vertically when you have your piece of paper, the numbers one through seven. Okay, feel free to pause if you need to. And when you have those written down, next to number one, write the word trigger. Next to number two, write the word body response. Next to number three, write the word thoughts. Next to number four, Write the word feelings. Next to number five, write the words core need. Next to number six, write the words knee jerk reaction. And then finally, next to number seven, write the words sage step, S-A-G-E, which just means wisdom the wiser step is where we're going to end. So let me talk you through this with a, a life example of my own as you write down and take notes as we go. So I invite you to think of something that triggered you recently, nothing too massive that feels too raw or unsafe to think about, nothing that's going to elicit like really strong emotions, but something that rattled you enough that you can understand this exercise with. So in 2010, I was studying abroad in Santiago, Chile, and my first week there, I was camping with friends, like in a tent on an air mattress, and there was an 8.8 earthquake, and I had never been in an earthquake in my entire life. My first one was off the Richter scale. <laughs> so 
if I'm doing this domino drill, number one, where it says trigger, I'm literally just going to write 8.8 earthquake. So write down here, this is the stimulus, which can be, it could be sound, sight, smell, physical sensation, an event, or even a time of day or season. Go ahead and write down yours, a short, sweet, to the point trigger, just a matter of fact thing that happened or did not happen. Maybe it's like, yeah, your husband said something or your boss gave you a look. We're not elaborating. It's just the thing that happened or the thing that was said or not said. Okay. And as we go, yeah, feel free to pause if you need more time to write. And then number two, body response. Okay. So for me, I furrowed my eyebrows. I remember my muscles tensed. I held my breath. Notice in your example, write down what actually happened in your body. And this might be really new for you. If you're not used to tuning into your body, a lot of my new clients, when I ask them, yeah, how did you feel in your body when that happened? They're like, uh, I don't know. It's totally normal. We live in a really disconnected society. We're super disconnected from our bodies. So don't worry about it if you can't think of something. But do your best. Okay. Number three is thoughts. So this was my earthquake, first earthquake ever. Like I told you guys, I'd never experienced one before. So my initial thoughts were literally, are we on the subway? <laughs> I thought we were on the Metro. That's like the movement was swaying me back and forth. Like I was on the Metro or subway. And then I thought, what is happening? I thought, where am I? And then a few seconds after I realized we were not on the subway, because this woke me up from my sleep. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I think I'm in an earthquake. What's going to happen? How long is this going to last? Just hold tight. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so go ahead and write down the stories, the questions, or the messages that flooded through your mind at this trigger. And when you actually take time to do this, it's insane how many there can be, like longer than the Harry Potter series. There's so many messages, stories, questions that can flood through our minds in the matter of seconds. It's insane. And so go ahead and just write out a few. Number four is feelings. So here, again, amazing how many emotions you can feel at one time. I remember feeling confused. I felt vulnerable, humbled, nervous, and calm all at the same time. Remember feeling protective and then eventually scared once I picked up on everyone else's energy, especially the Chileans who were used to earthquakes. So when I saw how they were freaking out, I got really anxious because I'm like, oh, crap, this is not a normal one, I guess. It was a big one. Okay, so those are your feelings, your emotions. They're separate from your thoughts and your thoughts really determine your feelings because if my thoughts were, oh, I'm safe, oh, this is a fun thing, like my feelings would be completely different. So the thoughts really are the domino effect. They come before your feelings. Okay, number five is core need. And this is where we can really start to step back into power. I have a list of our seven core needs. So if you want a copy of that, just shoot me a DM and I can get it to you. Um, but in this moment, you want to write down what core need what basic human need was rattled or threatened by this trigger? 
And so for me, it was physical safety and meaning. So the earthquake was like shaking the hell out of us. And so it really, I had never felt something like that before. I'd always felt like, you know, when you get off an airplane, you're kind of nervous, like, whoo, we made it, but we hit the ground. We're on the ground. This was an insane experience to feel like the ground that had always been so safe is now not safe either. It was shaking. And then the meaning for me was like, yeah, I was just like, what is going on? What's happening? Like, it didn't make sense for me. My brain was searching for understanding of like, yeah, is this a subway? Is it not? So for me, in this example, it was safety and meaning. But for you, write down, what was it at your core that you needed in that moment that this trigger threatened or rattled? Maybe it was connection. Maybe it was safety or meaning. Maybe it was compassion or harmony, or something else completely different. Again, you can DM me for the full list, can help to have a list for a lot of us. And then we move on to the next domino. This is our knee-jerk reaction. So we do something subconsciously, like just gut response reaction to meet our core need. This is our body just automatically taking over to keep us safe and meet that need. But this is where our knee-jerk reactions, you know, we don't like a lot of them. So this is usually the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. You don't think about it. It just shows what is patterned in the blueprint of your unique nervous system. It is useless to judge this response, like even if you're not proud of it. For me, in this example, my arm flew around my friend. I was sleeping next to my friend, Zulin, my little five foot two, 98 pound friend from China. And I started praying like crazy. So that's what I would write down for my knee jerk reaction. Arm flew over Zulin, started praying. You know, so this often, though, can be where our shame storm comes in. It can be knee jerk reactions that we're not proud of. But it is powerful as hell to observe it with curiosity and radical compassion to be conscious to what your blueprint is. Because what's in your blueprint is what will keep you know manifesting in your life. And the good news is awareness is half the battle. So you even doing this drill, you becoming conscious to your knee-jerk reactions is 50% ahead of the rest of the crowd because let's be real, it can be terrifying to make eye contact with our habits. It's uncomfortable. It takes courage. Okay, so that's the knee-jerk reaction. What did you do in that moment? How did you move? How did you respond? How did you react? What did you say? Okay, last one is the sage step. So ask yourself, what can you do differently when this specific core need is rattled or this trigger comes up in the future? Something that will meet the core need that isn't harming to yourself and isn't harming to others. In my example with the earthquake, I was thinking about it. Honestly, there's nothing better I could have done in this example. Like it was just a pure survival response. Um, it was kind of best case scenario that I was on the ground. Like a lot of my friends were in clubs or apartments. And so um, maybe a better case scenario for them would have been to go into a closet or a doorway, you know, whatever they say for earthquakes to hide under. But yeah, for me, it was actually the safest place I could have been. I think I handled it the best I could. Um, 
But this is just where we can ask ourselves what we can do differently if there is a better route in the future when our specific core need is rattled. So I'll just say this might be the step that you're like, I've got no frigging clue. Like this is where humbling out and seeking guidance can be helpful, whether it's a coach or mentor or a therapist or whatever. You do have amazing people who are ready to support you and stand in your corner and help you with the blind spots that we all have on our healing journey. Thank God for the angels that can help us get to where we want to go faster than where we would have arrived trying to do everything on our own. But really the big question to ask here is how can I meet my core need in and of myself um, without expecting somebody else to meet it? This is where a lot of my clients, like we expect our husbands, if it's our need for connection or trust is rattled, we want them to prove themselves or say a certain thing or act a certain way. And this is where we can really learn to dive deep in practicing offering um, that to ourselves, learning how to meet our own core needs. Okay. Makes sense. So this is the domino drill. It helps you get conscious, which is what our world is missing. Did you know, I've been following these stats for years and according to the most modern cognitive neuroscientists, we as a society are conscious for only 5% of our waking activities, meaning 95% of the time, We're going through the motions, on autopilot, distracted, multitasking, zoning out, ruminating, future tripping, etc. So when you think of a domino, right, if you line them up, if you ever did that as a kid, one trigger can set off a whole chain reaction in a matter of seconds. And this tool just gives space between the series of your patterned events so you can assess if this train is leading to where you actually want it to go if your behaviors are leading to the life you actually want to be present for. So this example I gave you, it's a pretty physical example. It's tangible. It's easy to visualize and understand. It's understandable, right? This was a big T trauma. This big T, what I mean by that is, you know, in short, it's a big life-threatening event. So big T traumas, we usually think of extreme events like war, natural disasters, violent crimes, a school shooting, a serious car accident, or even the death of a parent. I also want to paint you one last picture today, though, so you can get an idea of how this can look with little T trauma triggers. Little T is more of a threat to our love and belonging, or what I like to call death by a thousand paper cuts. Little T traumas are defined as any event or ongoing situation that causes distress, fear, and a sense of helplessness outside of your nervous system's ability to cope. So just a few examples of little T trauma triggers are a breakup, separation or divorce, a change or a challenging friendship, loss of a job, or financial worries. You know, these incidents, while they don't threaten the physical safety of a person, they create deep discomfort, unhappiness, and a feeling of having no control over your life. They can be very distressing. They just don't get as obvious attention and empathy from society as the big T trauma triggers. They're often processed in silence. And so that's why it's so important to have communities like this. I'm so grateful you're here so we can talk about this and remind ourselves like, oh, this is super collective. Okay. So in this example, I want to give you When I was on my honeymoon, 
uh, I got triggered on like day three of our honeymoon. The trigger, what I'd write next to number one is I remember Sebastian initiated sex and I was so tired. So I didn't respond. And then he pulled his body away and his eye contact. So that's what I'd write down for trigger. My body response to seeing him pull away was an immediate lump in my throat. My muscles went tense. My brain started spinning and it felt like buzzing electricity all of a sudden shot through my body, aka cortisol and adrenaline. (laughs) The thoughts that then flooded through my mind were, oh my God, did I just ruin our honeymoon? Did I just make him feel rejected? What's wrong with you? Becky, just chill. It's fine. You already had sex like seven times today. Just go to sleep. Which is a true story of what happens when you get married in the church and date for three years without having any kind of sex. Yeah, true story. So I was like trying to calm myself down, like, Becky, it's fine. Just go to sleep. But then also what was in my head were the voices of women from church marriage retreats for years, warning all the wives in the audience to never say no to your husband or else he'll find it somewhere else. Whew. Yeah, a lot there. Another topic for another time. Okay, so this triggered the feelings. This led to the feelings of being anxious, worried, afraid, embarrassed, ashamed, confused, vulnerable, etc. I could have kept going. My core need that was rattled in that moment when he turned his body and his eye contact away from me were connection and meaning. I felt an immediate severed connection from him which we were like vibing on a high, you know, so connected. This was the point in the honeymoon where I was like, it just got taken away. The connection is gone. And then the meaning part was like, what's going through his head? I don't understand. What's he thinking? What, you know, what does this mean? Right. My knee jerk reaction was I tried to initiate sex, but now out of a fear of abandonment, not out of this overflow of connection, And I remember Sebastian reassuring me, it's fine. Let's just go to sleep. And I literally got to this point where I was like begging him, can we please just try again? And then I pleaded. And the more turned off, the more I pleaded, the more turned off I watched him get. And then it turned into this weird like hour of crying when we were overtired and I was over explaining myself. And so this was my just knee jerk reaction. It was like my body was taking over and I felt crazy, but I couldn't help it. I didn't know what else to do. Okay, the last step, the sage reaction, sage response. This is where I love to save women decades of unnecessary wheel spinning and trauma because I spent 10 years continuing the same pattern we saw on that bed on our honeymoon. For years, I called it chase and run. And I later identified with the labels of codependency and addiction or anxious attachment style and avoidant attachment style. And I tried so hard for years to break the pattern. But where I went wrong was I was only tapping into all these resources and modalities of healing and tools and tips and tricks from the neck up. Quick fact, if you haven't heard me share this before. We all have a giant nerve called the vagus nerve going from the base of our skull to the bottom of our spine. And you can think of it like the super highway of information of internal messages and neurotransmitters constantly moving up and down our spine from our body to our brain, our brain to our body. Now, 20% of these messages, these neurotransmitters, the way our body communicates with each other, go from our brain to our body, 20%. 
80% of these messages travel from our body to our brain. So what this means is, for years, I was only tapping into that 20%. I was trying all these things just from the neck up, ignoring my body, which is where the magic happens. So for years, I tried to outthink my thoughts with verses, quotes, mantras. I tried talking through my triggers and challenges with anyone who would listen. So, you know, therapists, friends, whoever. I went to podcasts like every waking second listening on the go because I had this subconscious story running that like I have to hurry up and heal because time's running out and I need to get us to a good place so I can start to enjoy my life. I also tried to outdo my distress through hyperachieving. I remember being super pregnant with Anna, driving all over God's creation, like hosting events in my previous career, meeting with as many clients as I could, growing a team all over the country, and trying to meet these super high qualifications to become a top 2% director in um, this previous career. Because I thought, I just need to complete this one next goal, and then we'll be able to rest, be okay, be a happy family. But the problem was it was only teaching my nervous system to go at rocket ship speed and slowing down, even when I had the opportunity, felt like such a threat. It never happened. I didn't know how to slow down. I wanted to so badly. I aligned with the concept of being slow and being present. And I thought because I knew better, therefore I should do better. But I couldn't outdo my deeply rooted, subconsciously ingrained spiritual and emotional trauma written on my body. So that's what I was missing. Back to this sage response. I was missing for years the body. I'd love to just give this to you to skip unnecessary decades of, you know, heartache and spinning your wheels. So as you start taking your triggers from earthquake status to tiny tremors, please do this one thing that everyone is missing. Begin to incorporate the body in your sage response. You know, if you don't know my story already, my dad suddenly passed away from a heart attack when I was 18 years old, literally the month I met my now husband. So abandonment was my deepest trauma coming into my relationship with Sebastian. So when the wound gets triggered, what I've learned to now do as like a wiser sage response is literally speak to that wound with my body. This has allowed me to go from this earthquake to tremor status with my triggers. I know I can't outthink my thoughts in these moments. I've tried for years. It's literally impossible when I'm in that fight, flight, freeze mode. So I, what I do now is pull out a grounding technique. I might, you know, pull out the five senses, um, which is just naming five things I can see, four things I can hear, three things I can touch, two things I can taste, one thing I can um, smell. And so I might pull something out like that that just brings me back into this present moment, moving from that activated sympathetic nervous system back into this resting safety of my parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, I might put my hand on my heart, literally touch my my own body or give myself a hug and speak compassionately to myself like, oh, Becky, that just rattled you so hard. You're feeling threatened by this disconnection that you just had a moment ago with Sebastian and now it seems like it was taken away. Of course, you're triggered. I'll say things like this to myself now. And I'll say things like, I know you're afraid, but you're safe. This is not your dad disappearing. That was in the past. This isn't Sebastian disappearing. This is a natural thing. 
as natural as the wind blows, as my coach Justin will say, and you'll work through it. So I'm like telling myself with my hand on my body what I need to hear. And then when I've done that, when I'm in a more grounded energy, you know, I, to meet that other need that was rattled, that need for meaning, I might communicate to my husband, if it feels safe, my own domino drill, basically, the sequence of events that happened from the trigger. I'll be like, babe, when this happened, this is how my body responded. These were my thoughts. These were my feelings. This is what I used to do. And then this is what I did this time as I'm healing and like practicing better responses. So thank you for being patient with me. And I might say, you know, babe, I'm curious what was going through your body and mine too. Only if you want to share, if not, I'm good. I just said that, like made it sound like as easy as that, all simple. That is not easy. Okay. This is like what we really dial in on with my clients and practice communicating because communicating in a different way that actually invites connection and doesn't throw up defenses is really hard. It's really like learning a new language. And so that's where don't feel like, oh, it should be that easy or that simple. If you need help and support, don't hesitate to reach out because that's where I really love to offer support and training um, to my clients to communicate in a way that's going to actually repair connection. So y'all, it's possible is what I want to say. With the right healing tools for your nervous system, it is so possible and highly highly probable to no longer get caught on this hamster wheel of trying to outthink your thoughts or outdo your distress. It's not to say that itch never presents and, you know, there's days where all I want to do is scratch the itch and slide down that chase and run landslide with my husband that was so familiar to us for years. But all I can say is the work I've done now in my nervous system, the amount of trauma I've been able to release and move through my body, it's finally a life where I no longer feel caught. I can look at a therapist and tell her the last time I got triggered instead of just stare at her blankly and try to remember the last time I wasn't triggered. And the good news is if you are a human listening to this podcast, you have a nervous system that can be trained to unhook yourself just the same from anything that's no longer serving you. The secret is finding that life really can be lived right now coming back to the present by moving yourself from that fight, flight, freeze, fawn state into the rest, digest, breathe, whew, I'm okay state. And that opens the door to being able to soak in how much is already here, to breathe here, to embrace your muscles and mind from imminent danger, knowing that bracing doesn't actually protect you from future pain. It only steals your ability to live the only thing that is actually real. This very precious present moment you're living right now. And so I hope this tool serves and supports you this week. In summary today, remember these three things. One, that triggers belong. They're there for a reason. And listening to your triggers as wise messengers can open up this portal to the deepest healing you've ever experienced on every cellular, subconscious, and spiritual level. Number two, triggers are collective and they can all be boiled down to a threatened sense of love, safety, and belonging. 
core needs that are our birthright as human beings and that every single soul deserves to have met. And number three, remember the body. For goodness sake, please. (laughs) Even if you've been disconnected from your body your entire life, even if you're beefing with your body right now because you feel like it's not working with you, you do have the chance now to repair things to notice your body, to listen to your body, to speak to your body, to speak from your body. It holds more wisdom than all the podcasts, libraries, research articles, philosophies, top minds in the field of mental health, decorated and lettered professionals. Your body is where 80% of your internal messages are already speaking directly to your brain. Your body is talking constantly and can tell you how to heal better than all of those external resources combined. It's a language that all of us can learn no matter what age or stage of the game we're at. Your body's incredible. Your body never lies. Your body is a friend that can be trusted. It's there to protect you. And so wrapping up today, I invite you to place your hand over your heart and thank your body for breathing for you day in and day out without you even having to think about it. Thank your heart for continuing to beat for you day in and day out without you even having to think about it. Thank your mind for the capability of listening to this whole podcast today as I talked your ear off (laughs) on a topic that can truly change the entire trajectory of the rest of your life. I love you, friend, so much. I can't wait to have you back again next week for another episode, and I hope you have an incredible week. Ah, I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. You know, for some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.